The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. So Emma Coburn is a world champion runner who specializes in the steeplechase. She is the owner of an Olympic bronze medal from Rio 2016. She's an eight-time, eight-time United States national champion, and she's an outspoken advocate for clean sport. She's also the vice president of the Athletics Association. And we are here, finally, in 2021. Emma, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Happy to be chatting. I'm um, happy to be chatting, chatting about some Olympic stuff too. It's finally, finally looking like it's going to roll around. So does that get you excited? Does it get you a bit stressed? Um, I've really just been training away since, you know, when the Olympics for 2020 got postponed um, in March. I uh, really have just been training hard and focusing on, you know, trying to become a better, stronger athlete with uh, very little stress, actually. You know, I, I've been doing my best to just focus on me and my my progress and with the hopes that, you know, next summer we'll be able to compete in a healthy place and, um, and be running fast and running strong and hopefully win another Olympic medal. That's the idea, right? Run fast, win medal. Like, that's the... Uh... <laughs> That's the plan. You should boil it down. It sounds pretty easy, but it's actually, there's a lot of things that you've got to tick off in order to get to that position. <laughs> I mean, but you did do it in Rio. Um, you got a bronze medal. I mean, take us back to Rio. How did you feel? How did you feel about Rio? Uh, in Rio, I came in ranked third in the world, um, and but had kind of finished third or fourth in most of my races. So I knew... Uh, I was a pick to win a medal, but was it was not, you know, a lock at all. And I ran most of the race in fourth place with a big gap um, to third. So it was a really tough, lonely, very hot race. And we raced in the middle of the day and it was toasty. So uh, I really, that, that experience was... Uh, such a gift to be able to kind of grit through a, a hard race experience and uh, come out the other side with an Olympic medal. And, you know, I think coming into this next Olympics, that's a feeling that I really, you know, standing on a podium with an Olympic medal is very special. And I really want to have that again. So I'm looking forward to that opportunity. And since the Rio Olympics, I've won, um, in track and field to get two world championships and I won medals at both of those one year I won and another year I got second. So I've become addicted to that podium and I hope to, you know, be up there again for Tokyo. I mean, I love London. I lived there for 10 years. Um, do you love London? That is where you became world champion. Does it have a little special place in your, in your heart now? I do love London. We raced in the Olympics in 2012 there. Uh, a college teammate of, of mine, Shalaya Kip, she and I both qualified together in the steeplechase. Uh, so getting to experience the Olympics in 2012 as a college student 
um, you know, with a friend alongside, that was really, you know, an incredible moment. And London is such an, an easy place for an American to kind of get by with, with, uh, you know, no language barriers. So it was a very easy place to have those Olympics. And so I've always loved it, you know, since then. And certainly 2017, when I won the world championship stands out as, you know, if not my favorite race of my career tied maybe with Rio, um, as one of my favorite races, but, uh, there's always such a great crowd in London. Um, the fans really love track and field. They love athletics and they really respond to performances. So whether you're uh, a British athlete or an American or whoever, they just root for great performances and great competition. And so competing in a in the London stadium is always a, a ton of energy. And I, and I love that. And then in Doha, obviously completely different experience in Doha. Um, Amazing stadium, uh, but, you know, not the same atmosphere within the stadium. You must have felt super ready. Yeah, the 2019 World Championships were the last week of September, first week of October, when typically they're the first week of August um, or second week of August. So it was a real shift in the whole season. Um, and because of that, it was almost like that was the start of the momentum for 2020 because it was such a late season in 2019 we had you know only seven months until the olympic trials in the u.s or maybe eight or nine months i can't remember but it was a short window so that kind of felt like this is the start here we go um and i was really proud of how i raced at the doha world championships uh there was the the current world champion beatrice chipkowicz she had been really dominant all year and so I kind of played the conservative game and let her go and just really ran a race for second. And I felt like I was pretty dominant in that space and felt really strong and felt powerful. And so I think 2019 mentally, I really, um, I really like crossed into new boundaries and territories with a few different race tactics and obviously like a, an increased level of fitness and everything. So the momentum was there. I was feeling ready. I was feeling strong for 2020. And like every other Olympic hopeful, I, you know, in March had to reassess, but my husband, he's my coach and he just, you know, was patient and didn't freak out and just assigned me training that he knew would be beneficial, you know, 15, 16 months later and nothing too crazy um, but a lot of really solid work that I know I can feel confident that 2021 will, will, you know, go as well as I can hope. What are your personal goals for 2021? And, you know, what do you hope to achieve? In 2021, I want to win the Olympic um, trials in the US, qualify for the Olympics. Um, and then I want to win a medal in Tokyo and break the American record. Um, I'd love to break nine minutes in the steeplechase. Uh, I'm feeling strong and, um, you know, as, as fit as I've ever been at this, you know, time of the year. So I think assuming that I can keep this uh, schedule going, I think those are all really attainable goals that, uh, you know, it's going to be really hard and it might not all work out the way I dream, but... I'm definitely working towards those things. 
Because the nine minutes, I've heard that before, Emma. You've been after that for a while now. I bet that would be sweet to break that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when I ran 902 in 2017, that was a, that time was a bit, um, you know, I thought maybe I'd run closer to 905. So running 902 was um, a real treat. <laughs> um, and then really, we only get a handful of opportunities a year, maybe one opportunity. So even though 2017 was three and a half years ago, it there's really just not that many opportunities. There's probably been four races that, uh, or five races since then that a nine minute effort is realistic. So it, it definitely, uh, has eluded me for sure, but I'm not beating myself up too much about it. I feel like it's definitely in the cards and, um, just waiting for that right day again. As a British person, watching the US trials is A, very exciting. You do not want to be injured in that like week running just into it or catch a cold. Yeah, it's the, the trials are, are wild because in the US, unlike a lot of other nations, it is strictly top three finishers at the Olympic trials make the Olympic team. So you can be a world champion, a world record holder, the best in the country and false start and you don't make the Olympic team or get sick, have a bad day. You don't get make the Olympic team. So on one hand, it is, you know, incredibly stressful because you have to be perfect on that day. Um, but that's also how our world championship teams are selected. So we do have a lot of practice in that system. Um, one year I had food poisoning at the world championships and I mean at the trials, um, the US championships, I'm sorry, in 2017. And I had food poisoning and I just had to carry on out. And it was a 90 degree weather, you know, super hot day. And I had to race and just be tough and hope that my fitness was you know, good enough to carry me through while not feeling well. Um, and so, yeah, it is a little stressful, but I do think it um, prepares Team USA to compete really well at the Olympics or World Champ Championships because we have already done the pressure. We've done the rounds. We know that, you know, the people that have made that team have all performed well under peak, peak pressure at the trials. And they know how to peak they know how to treat their bodies right they know the system that will have them perform at their best in a stressful environment so although it's really challenging when you're at the trials and obviously leading up to it you want to be kind of conservative and not get hurt and not get sick um but i do think it preps team usa to perform really well on the big stages and we do we you know we usually have a a pretty high medal count so i think it works yeah and it's great television, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind it's of heartbreaking. It's one of the but... coolest track meets in the world, that's for sure. Team USA is such an exciting team at the moment. And there are some incredible people. You know, five years is a long time since the last Olympics. So for anyone who is just tuning in now for their track and field time, you know, who, who should they have their eye on? Well, for track and field, I think there's a really fun um, 
rivalry between Dalil and Muhammad and Sydney McLaughlin. They're in the 400 meter hurdles and uh, Sydney and I share a sponsor. And so I've gotten to know her a little bit over the years and root for her so much. And Dalil is a really wonderful person as well. So they're both incredible athletes and that's a really fun um, race to watch. Um, and then I'm fast as well. Yeah, that is a fast, fast race. That yeah. is literally the fastest you'll ever see that race. Yeah, world record in the race in Doha. So, um, and then of course I love uh, Christian Taylor. He is an incredible jumper, and he's—I don't even know how many world championship titles he has and Olympic golds he has, but he is just so incredibly dominant. Um, and it's just the best you're ever going to see. So he's super fun to cheer for um, and root for. And then. You know, I really think there's always there's always good stories. Athletes, we all work really hard. And I think if you can take a little bit of time as a consumer and dig into the athletes' lives a little bit and, you know, go to their social media to learn about them, you'll find your own personal heroes that you want to root for. Um, every athlete has a story to tell. And, and now with social media, we're able to connect with fans a little bit easier and share that. So whatever your, your favorite event is, or your even favorite sport, whatever it is, you can definitely dive in and get to know athletes and find your own heroes to root for. Christian Taylor is a four-time world champion, a two-time Olympic champion. Let's face it, he's a triple jump don. <laughs> Super yeah, well-respected and... <laughs> He's set up this interesting thing called the Athletics Association and your vice president. So could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, Christian started the Athletics Association um, about a year ago in response to some decisions that had been made within track and field and our governing, governing body. And he was feeling that uh, the athlete voice wasn't being heard or respected. And so he founded this group and invited me to be a part of it alongside some really great um, board members. And we've just been working to, I mean, this whole first year, we've just been behind the scenes kind of setting up our constitution and setting up all the legal stuff and, you know, not nothing that fun from a, from an outside facing way, but definitely fighting to um, communicate what the athlete body, what professional track and field athletes worldwide want what they need um, and then get those voices communicated to those, the people that are making decisions. So um, we've been working hard and we open up for membership in January. And so professional track and field athletes globally can become members and we have some benefits and really hoping to just get kind of a coalition of voices together to uh, finally have our voices loud enough to hear and get, you know, track and field to, to work in the ways that we think it should. I think what what you and Christian are really good at is is kind of creating an online community around yourselves and around your event online. Yeah, I think there there are lessons to be learned from you guys, definitely. Yeah, and I think we want to unite athletes together. I think there's sometimes a um, you know, we, we know our event so well, or we know our own country so well, but we don't necessarily connect with everyone in other events in different countries. And so, um, really combining our voices and helping, um, you know, raise the platform of athletics and 
uh, come together and kind of fight for the things that we believe in as a group. Um, so it's, it's been fun and Christian's a really great leader and so well respected in the sport, both by athletes and managers and sponsors and everyone, um, everyone loves Christian and he is, he's a really wonderful person. So if you don't follow him already, go follow him and you can follow the athletics association at we are the sport. And, uh, th- yeah, that's kind of our tagline. Like athletes are the sport. We are the sport. So why don't you care about our opinions? <laughs> you know why you can't have the sport without us. So you should care about what we think. Um, we're experts in this field because we're participating in every day. So, uh, our opinions matter. And, uh, yeah, go give us a follow, check it out. I was having a look at, um, some end of year lists and, uh, there was one that came out. I won't call it out. Um, but there was five men and one woman on this list, sport or sports people. I mean, how can we be better, Emma? How can we how can we change things like this? Yeah, I think there's definitely um, being an in, being in an Olympic sport. I feel pretty well represented. That you know, there's always a female category and a male category. And in the college in the U.S., the NCAA, there's great female representation. So, or equal, I should say. Um, so definitely at an Olympic sport level in track and field, I think like women's track and field is often way more entertaining than men's track and field. I think, you know, I, I think we have such great stories and there's, you know, women that have children and come back and compete and win medals. Like you have the story of Allison Felix, um, or you have these great rivalries of, just dominant world record performances like Delilah and Sydney. And there's, there's constant, there's constant, um, like uh, there are often incredible performances in women's track and field and in the marathon. And I feel like in an Olympic sport, we're really, you know, well represented. Um, and so for a non-Olympic sport, I don't know how to make that representation better and to have media, and um, networks and journalists, you know, everyone in media pay more attention or promote uh, that more. I know as a young girl growing up in the US, I participated in many sports that were co-ed with boys. And I never um, thought that being a girl in sport was like a disadvantage or weird or anything like that was my experience is, I was just one of everyone else and participating like everyone else. Um, and when I, then I, you know, becoming successful in track and field and feeling like I'm in a sport that generally does a good job at, at telling both stories and equally showcasing the men's hundred, the women's hundred, you know, it's, it's pretty equal. Um, I feel like I personally have had a, a good experience, but I don't know how to make that experience better for, you know, women in the WNBA or women's soccer or women's lacrosse. And, you know, there's women's tennis stars that are heroes in sport. And, you know, those few stories are told, but, um, you know, women's golf, there's plenty of women's sports that don't get nearly as much attention as the male counterpart. And uh, I don't, 
know how to solve that problem. If I did, I would, uh, <laughs> I'd probably be out doing, you know, something really wonderful with that. But right now I just, uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know how to solve that. Yeah. I think actually you look at something like tennis and athletics and actually it's so ingrained into the kind of culture of the whole sport you know the events happen at the same time and in thinking other sports that just doesn't happen they're completely separate and I don't know I I know that it's not always easy to have everything at the same time or it's but I feel like that helps you know because it's just, you do get the same thing, you know, you get the same bib, you get the same, you know, it's the same everything, you know, and I think that helps. Yeah, I never feel lesser than, um, you know, than my male counterparts when I'm at a track meet. I feel like we're, we're equals in this sport. And, um, and honestly, women track athletes sometimes get paid better than male track athletes. Um, so, you know, it's, I don't know how to solve the other sports. I, I'm definitely, you know, I'm aware of that. I don't live under a rock, but definitely in the bubble of track and field, uh, I feel pretty equal and I feel powerful. And I feel that, um, you know, as a female steeplechaser, my, my life and story and everything is just as important as, you know, a male counterpart. Challenge time. I've made a silly list of things. So yes or no, do you do these things? And if you feel the need to expand on any of these things, feel free. If you do not feel the need, that is okay too. (laughs) Okay. Do you every day brush your teeth? Yes. She's an all-American girl. Of course she does. (laughs) Wash your hair? No. Again, come on. You wouldn't... (laughs) Like every like three days. I shower my body, but I don't wash my hair. Work out. Yes, twice a day. Depending on if it's like an easy day, like this morning I ran 10 miles and this afternoon I'm running four miles. Such an easy day. And then tomorrow's a workout. So I'll do like 13 miles with a workout in there sprinting and then go lift weights for an hour. Then in the afternoon run like three or four miles. Uh, Lose your temper especially near red lights. Yeah, I uh, I never lose my temper unless, yeah, I'm at like a red light and then I'm just like silently mad. But no, I, I don't ever like yell or get mad. Uh, and finally, listen to the Olympic Channel podcast. Um, I will say not daily, but I have listened to it, yes. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much, it was nice to chat. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. Olympic Channel Podcast. Massive thanks to Emma. Go follow her on Instagram. She is just Emma Coburn. We are Olympic Channel, so make sure you give us a follow too. I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E. And I would like to know, what did you think of that? I thought she was so interesting about the US trials and female sport. Um, We would love to hear from you. So drop us a DM or even better, Share this episode on your Instagram story and give us all a mention. Okay, that's it for now. Stay safe, stronger together, and see you very soon. Think like an Olympian.